Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hey friends, Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Well, how about we talk tonight about not just a one-two punch against the radical woke left, but a one, two, three, four punch against them. That's what I want to unfold for you tonight, because I think that's what's about to happen. But before we get into explaining that, let's go as we usually do to scripture. Let me know where you're from. We're live here. I see your comments. I want to take some time to uh, answer some questions. And uh, let me know where you're from. Let me know your prayer intentions, too. Let us all know how we can all pray for one another. Because praying for America, of course, includes praying for each other. And that's what we want to do during our program tonight. I see some of the comments already coming in. And uh, let me assure you that we at Priests for Life pray for you, not only during the time of these programs, but also all throughout the week, all throughout the year. So I want to go to Luke's uh, gospel here, chapter 10, the well-known parable of the Good Samaritan, starting with verse 29. Because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal and took him to an inn and cared for him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, the one who treated him with compassion. And Jesus said to him, then go and do likewise. Let us pray. Father, we see the victim by the side of the road. We see victims all around us, victims of oppression, victims robbed of liberty, unborn children robbed of life, people robbed of their businesses. We see America robbed of security. We see a lot of victims, Lord God, of a lot of robbers. We ask that we may do likewise, as you commanded at the end of this parable. Lord God, that priest and Levite asked the question as they saw that victim of the robbers, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan Lord reversed the question. If I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? 
May we be inspired, Lord God, by that attitude rather than hindered by our fear. May we be ready to consider what will happen to the victims if we do not help them rather than what will happen to us if we do. Let us not be concerned, Lord, about losing friends, losing popularity, losing votes, losing whatever. But Lord God, make us strong and wise and courageous servants of your truth. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you know, as you might uh, recall, Martin Luther King Jr. on the night before he was assassinated referred to that passage in his sermon and told us to be of courage by reversing the question. Don't keep counting the cost of what's going to happen to you if you speak up, if you do something to fight against the tyranny of the left. We, were, we might worry about losing our friends, losing our job. You know, I, I, I saw a, a McLaughlin poll uh, that said 31% of Americans were afraid in one way or another that by making their views known, they would lose their job. And 44% felt that they were not free to speak their mind. Now, are we in a free country if 44% of people feel they can't speak freely? This is a problem. I can tell you there are many clergy within the church who feel that they cannot even speak freely because we end up, well, frankly, being told we could lose our jobs too. We must speak. Especially now when there are so many victims. Victims robbed of freedom in so many ways. You know it. We know it. We see the direction the country is going under the Democrats. We must fight back. We must speak up. We must be courageous. We must be willing to lose things that we're going to lose. Let me take one of the questions that just came in. Let's see. Okay. How are pro-lifers to minister to pregnant women who are engaged in addictions that threaten the health of the unborn babies, especially those who smoke and take drugs? There are many people who, as a result of these bad habits, feel that they cannot continue with the pregnancy, uh, feel that they have to have an abortion. And uh, brothers and sisters, we minister to them by letting them know that no matter what that circumstance might be, no matter what they may have done to harm themselves or that baby, we can guarantee, and I can personally guarantee you this right now, that there are loving parents ready to take care of that child if she, that mom, is not in a position to do so herself. Or we will stand by her if she has the grace and the strength to, 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 to raise that child. But we have people ready. You know that there are more people waiting to adopt than there are children available for adoption. But we have people ready to adopt children who are born addicted, uh, born with any kind of handicap whatsoever. We are ready. These people are ready. And this is why the pro-life movement, the church, and the pregnancy center movement are so confident and so 
uh, on fire to reach out to people who need this help. So please keep that in mind. And, and you can always go to pregnancycenters.org to look for the pregnancy center nearest to you if you need to refer somebody there or you might need the help yourself, uh, pregnancycenter.org. Well, I mentioned at the outset, we have to deliver, and I believe what we're about to deliver through the U.S. Supreme Court with the three justices that President Trump uh, appointed to the court, a one, two, three, four punch against the left. Now, what am I talking about? Well, uh, first of all, of course, there is the abortion case. We've been talking a lot about that, the Dobbs case, which seems ready now to reverse Roe versus Wade. And what that means is not that abortion would become automatically uh, illegal. What it means is that the legislators who are accountable to you and me, unlike the unelected Supreme Court justices, the legislators whom we can lobby, unlike the unelected Supreme Court justices, that the legislators who, if we don't like the direction they're going with public policy, we can vote them out of office, unlike the unelected Supreme Court justices, they will now be the ones, these lawmakers, to set policy regarding abortion that they weren't able, that they haven't been able to set for 50 years because the court put up this artificial, and when I say artificial, I mean it's constitutionally baseless barrier to passing laws that would protect these children. So we're going to see a tremendous, I mean, this is something that people have been working for, praying for, sacrificing for. I know many of you have done so for five decades. You want to find out more about this case and the arguments behind it, go to supremecourtvictory.com. That is the uh, website that we have set up for education about this Dobbs case, supremecourtvictory.com. Dobbs, by the way, is a, a health official in Mississippi from which this case uh, arose. And we're going to see a great victory. And this is going to energize people. But it's already got the left going berserk, right? Because a draft opinion was leaked that gives us a total victory uh, on this. And uh, they're threatening violence. They've done some violence. Just yesterday, another pro-life uh, pregnancy center was uh, firebombed. These people are, are sick. And uh, they, their violence shows that they know that they're wrong. They know that they cannot win and aren't winning and haven't been winning for a long time using the normal democratic processes in this country. So we have to be uh, uh, ready for, for anything that they try to do. But it's sad to see it, isn't it, uh, how they, def they, they, they behave like wild animals. Now, secondly, as, as I like Michelle, I like what you're saying. The love when the left goes berserk because it shows who they really are. And isn't it amazing, uh, Michelle and everybody, how they will try to project that onto us for many years? I mean, I've been called violent. Uh, I had uh, back in 2001, after we worked hard at Priests for Life for the election of, uh, uh, at that time, uh, George W. Bush, uh, who did also did a lot of, of good for our movement uh, for pro-life. Uh, uh, I was given an award by the National Right to Life Committee at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. And, and there were, there were uh, New York State legislators, Planned Parenthood officials, Catholics for Choice, NARAL, uh, and, and, and various other pro-abortion groups all got together and had a demonstration outside against me and against National Right to Life and they were calling me violent. Violent. Why? Because I was pro-life. 
So they, they love to, to hurl these lies about us. And yet, it, when, it, you know, like psychiatrists say, believe behavior, right? People can say all kinds of things, but psychiatrists believe behavior. You want to see where somebody really is and where they really stand. Now, three other things that is going to make the left go berserk. You know, there, there are three other major, now there are about 30 Supreme Court cases still to come out before the end of this term. So the next few weeks is going to be very, very busy in terms of things coming out of the court. But three of them in particular, I want to bring to your attention. And I'm sure that most of you have heard something about, uh, about these cases. But imagine now if all these cases go our way, a one, two, three, four punch against the, the left. One of them is a First Amendment religious liberty case, Coach Kennedy. Now, this is out of state of Washington, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. By the way, if you want to know details about a Supreme Court case, scotusblog.com is a great place to go. So SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, S-C-O-T-U-S, scotusblog.com. You can look up cases and you will see not only what the case is about, you will see all the documentation related to that case, all the briefs submitted to the court. And uh, or, or you follow, you'll know more about the, as, you'll know as much about these cases as the, as the, as the justices know. So scotusblog.com. That's where you can also go to find out on decision what the decision days are. Uh, tomorrow is going to be another one, by the way, the decision days where the court is going to release their opinions. And uh, that's it happens at 10 a.m. Uh, and also you'll be able to uh, uh, follow the uh, commentary on the cases once they're released. OK, so this Coach Kennedy case, high school football coach. At the 50-yard line, after every game, he would kneel and say a quiet prayer. The school district told him to stop. He refused. And now, the case is all the way up at the U.S. Supreme Court. The question being, is a public school employee's prayer during school sports activities protected speech? And if so, can the public school employer prohibit it to avoid violating the Establishment Clause? The Establishment Clause? Think about how ridiculous this is. Because some students don't want to participate in the prayer, you're going to call this the state establishing a religion? You know, the Supreme Court has veered away from what is called the lemon test. This was an old case where uh, we got some decades ago this whole concept about the excessive entanglement of church and state that led to ridiculous things like, oh, you know, you can't have the nativity scene in the public uh, uh, city square there at Christmas time because, oh, you know, it's a public place and it's a religious symbol. Enough of this already. Fortunately, the Supreme Court has 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 taken a very good turn uh, on religious liberty matters and away from that 
so-called lemon case. So we're confident that uh, it's going to be ruled here that, of course, this is not a violation of the Establishment Clause. Come on. People are free to pray. People are free not to pray. And just because people are seeing somebody praying, this is not an imposition of religion. Okay, so that's one big case. That decision is going to be coming down uh, in these next few weeks. The second big one, uh, similar in many ways, has to do with um, a um, religious, religiously affiliated schools. It's a school choice case. So it's called Carson versus Macon in Maine. Prohibiting students. Okay, so let me give you the background on this. So Maine has a, the state of Maine has a uh, uh, a program to give financial assistance to uh, uh, families for the education of their children. But the way that it's set up is that if there is uh, there's certain the schools that they use have to be approved, and one of the guidelines uh, for a school to be approved that they can use and get this assistance is that the school not be religiously affiliated. So there's several families that wanted to take advantage of this tuition assistance, and yet out of the freedom of their religious uh, 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 exercise, wanted to send their children to a religiously affiliated school. But the state law said no, because you, you can't get the tuition assistance because that's not an approved school for this program because it's religiously affiliated. And so the question is, does a state law prohibiting students participating in an otherwise generally available student aid program from choosing to use their aid to attend schools that provide religious or sectarian instruction violate the religion clauses or equal protection clause of the Constitution? So very, again, very major case with major implications for religious liberty. Then we have a fourth case having to do with the Second Amendment. Now, I spoke a little bit about the Second Amendment last night. I recently became a gun owner myself, and I'm amazed. You know, it, in, in, in purchasing the gun I, I uh, took before purchasing it, uh, some um, uh, tutoring, some, some safety classes and uh, instruction on um, not only instruction on uh, the functioning of a gun and how to properly shoot it, but also... Uh, in the course of that training, finding exactly the right type for safe shooting and for a comfortable uh, uh, positioning in, in uh, uh, my hand for maximum control. It's not just a matter of, oh, I like that gun. Let me get that gun. No, you get an instructor that can lead you through all the different options and try them out. Okay. I was very impressed by the, the level of care. Uh, and safety that um, uh, this course brought. brought. Now, <clears throat> I'm also amazed by the ignorance that is 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 being spouted all over the country uh, in the in the uh, in the current climate of uh, these, of course, tragic uh, shootings that occur, but also the uh, 
the um, uh, ridiculous proposals that are made by the Democrats and their allies, some of their allies being in the church, shame on shame on the religious leaders who can't put two and two together and and figure out, you know, in the last 50 years, this is another point I made the, the other night, in the last 50 years, the per capita uh, percentage of, of gun owners in the United States hasn't changed in the last 50 years. It's 42, 43%. That's what it, it was at the latest report of 2021. That's what it was back in 1970, 72, 42, 43%. So the point being that if the per capita gun ownership in the country hasn't changed in 50 years, but the numbers of mass shootings has significantly risen. The cause of that is not the availability of guns. And the solution is not to clamp down on the availability of guns. There are other problems going on. And maybe we ought to recognize this. You know, many of these, these, these shootings, sadly, done by young, young people, by teenagers. You know what I always have said? Children will not stop killing children until parents stop killing children. Now, there are multiple causes. It's very dangerous to say, oh, well, all of this is happening because of that. Okay, we're not going to fall into that trap. But let's not discount the fact that we're living in a culture of death. We're living in a, in a society that's teaching our children that their lives don't have value. Because they themselves could have been thrown in the garbage by abortion. And the same people in society who are saying, oh, we got to take away guns, are saying, oh, well, it's perfectly constitutional right to uh, throw babies away. As a matter of fact, I challenged uh, uh, the, the, the Democrats recently on one of my tweets, and I said, so let's get this straight. An amendment which is right there in the Constitution, the Second Amendment in black and white, is not absolute, President Brandon said, but a right that is nowhere to be found in the Constitution, and I put right in quotation marks because it's not a real right, a right that's nowhere to be found in the Constitution, namely abortion, they say is absolute. No exceptions, no restrictions whatsoever. These people are sick, and we've got to be We've got to be wise to it. So this fourth case that we're talking about, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. So in New York, um, people who are, are looking for uh, concealed carry uh, permits for self-defense, and the uh, New York law requires that such a person show a special need for protection in order to get a concealed carry permit. So the question before the court is, does this law demonstrating, uh, uh, requiring people to demonstrate a need for self-defense violate the Second Amendment? you got to demonstrate a need for self-defense. Your life is in some kind of danger before you can get um, a conceal and carry permit for a weapon. Well, hopefully many of you, I know that you do, have a pocket copy of the Constitution. Let's go to the Second Amendment. Which says, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. Why? Because their life is in imminent danger and they need self-defense? That's not what the amendment says. The amendment says that it's for the security of a free state. We have the right to 
bear arms because we are the ultimate guarantors of our liberty. That's the idea. The, 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 the founders, as some people have said on social media during these days, when they drafted and, and approved this Second Amendment, they hadn't just come back from a hunting expedition. And it wasn't just for self-defense. It was for the guarantee of liberty. They had just liberated themselves from tyranny. That's what this is about. And the fight for tyranny, brothers and sisters, is in every generation. And we must not let up. Well, here's my prayer, and I want to pray with you together. i got to actually go to a national conference call now for our, our Silent No More Awareness campaign. So I'm going to give you a pray with you and then, and then give you a farewell for this evening. But listen, four important cases. I think we're going to have victories in all four of them. And just watch. You think the left is going crazy now because they saw that leaked opinion in the abortion case. Can you imagine them losing all four of these cases on key dogmas, key dogmas of the left. Wow. But you know what? They deserve it. They deserve it. Because they've been pushing their falsehood and their tyranny down our throats and down the throats of our children for decades. It's time for it to stop. Let's pray that it stops, and let's pray for all the intentions that you have been mentioning in this program, and let's pray together the words our, our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's stay connected, friends. I'll be live with you again tomorrow night. Um, let's uh, stay connected on social media. I'm at FR Frank Pavone. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. Thank you for watching. So good to be with you. Let's save America, keep America great, make America great again yet again. God bless you all. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.